Welcome to Guys Talking Yoga. I'm your host, Derek Vandewalker, and I launched this podcast two years ago as a means to spread the benefits of yoga, and specifically with the aim to help get guys to consider the practice as a means to greater health, physically, mentally, spiritually, existentially, whatever your challenges or goals may be, I am convinced that yoga can help you find your path. So consider this episode a collection of quotes, advice, perspectives from the 40-plus interviews in starting this platform. It's kind of like a greatest hits collection, and it's also a sharing of gratitude and thanks for those who have participated on the show and those who have listened and followed along the way. I think you can have a story that you're in control of as opposed to being a victim of life, which without yoga and intentionality, you're, you're going to be. I remember thinking, this isn't competitive. Everything in my life was a zero-sum game. Pain forces you to change. And I was in a lot of pain, and I was looking for a solution. And the hot yoga took me to another level in terms of being able to just get rid of that pain. Learning to let go is a practice, I think, that we can all agree needs to be learned over and over again. Try to embellish and try to work at new things and you will see that your doors will open up in your life in many different ways that you probably would not expect that to happen. But you have to be mindful and you have to allow it. There is a pretty overwhelming body of scientific evidence now on the benefits of yoga for physical health, mental health, spiritual health. And the military is starting to recognize this and you're starting to see yoga become a part of military training. Put the fear aside, everybody's got their own struggle. And that's the beauty of yoga class, because you go in there and everybody has their own struggle in class. There's no perfect yogi. If you take this seriously and you do it right, A, you're going to come out here in better shape. You're going to be more flexible. You're going to feel better about yourself. But it's going to be one of the hardest workouts you've ever done if you do everything to the best of your ability. You're going to get better. You're going to see progress. And pretty soon, it'll just be what you do. It's an amazing way to tune your mind into everything that's going into your body, finding that central focus point, finding your balance point, but then fine tuning every bit of those muscles that you need to get into some of these postures. Whether you're a surfer, tennis player, golfer, 100 miler, whatever you're doing, other than that outside, you're going to be stronger, you'll be faster, and you'll have less injuries by just having yoga as a core or an add-on to your physically daily activity. We're going to the playoffs, so a busy week, and I gave the guys an option. I said, we can lift, we can do yoga, or we can do lift and yoga. And it was unanimous that they all chose yoga. And that was kind of the first light bulb for me where I was like, wow, these guys actually like this. It clearly was working for them. You actually don't realize that you're not thinking about your bank account. You're not thinking about maybe what happened on the battlefield. You're not thinking about the past and the future. How does my body feel? What is it doing? You're thinking about right now. I think the benefits of yoga are so 
personal to some degree. Like many times you don't know what you're gonna uncover when you go down that path because it does encompass all aspects of our own self-care and human evolution within a singular practice. I love to get into low, deep postures and just hold them and just really feel them. And with my eyes shut, I feel alive. And that's the magic. And so when you can get in that place and actually feel the posture and feel the benefit of it, that's when you really start to recognize that, hey, there's something to this yoga stuff. The objective is not to to win. There is no winning. <laughs> and I think for athletes, it's really interesting because their initial response or kind of instinct with yoga is to push. And we have to talk a lot about undoing that and making it about what feels peaceful in their body. These boys, they have a desire to play at the next level. They're following what all levels of college and pros are doing to help their bodies. It's not just, I'm gonna go into the gym, I'm gonna crush bench, I'm gonna crush squat. There's so much more that goes into being a well-rounded athlete. I was having this low back pain thing for just a couple of years and it got really bad. And I just decided to do some more foundation yoga, like tree pose and some of the stretches that really focus on building up my core and breathing into that area. It really became clear that this is just where I was holding all my shit. I think what gets in the way of a lot of guys doing yoga is the word yoga. And the problem is it's their idea about what it is instead of really truly what it is. The practice was a vehicle for us, but it was really the feeling of peace, the feeling of being present was something that the military doesn't prepare you for. Very rarely are we in the present moment. So as I got more into the practice, the attention that I gained by practicing yoga really gave me more insight to how I live my life. And I think that's always the intention of yoga. It's to wake you up and to help you make these conscious choices that can really impact you and your community, your family, and, and the world. This idea of being stuck is often an idea. It's sometimes a story we're telling ourselves. And sometimes we're not recognizing what's going on on our end of the stick. Buddhism really puts the ball in your court. It says that the liberation from your own suffering is your own work to do. I almost ignored playing hockey now, or just like fully embodying this role of the enforcer, which outside of being physically demanding is extremely mentally demanding because you're in this state of fight or flight, right? And But you're kind of in the middle of it because you can't ignore the danger and say, I'm just not going to fight, so I'm going to take the day off. And you don't know when the fight's going to happen. So you're in a constant state of anxiety. Even the fight's over, you're worrying about the next one. So the easiest way I can describe it, it was mentally and spiritually draining. Learning how to breathe and learning that space between an inhale and an exhale is the most valuable real estate in the world. And if you can live in that space, you will become a better lawyer, a better businessman, a better person, because you are not reacting, you're acting. 
And, and that, to me, is the most valuable lesson I've learned from you. We actually say trauma-informed yoga is human-informed yoga. So we deal with chronic and acute trauma, but also just like everyday stress, right? And we respond to it the exact same way. So when the body is stressed out, the neural pathway that you're experiencing stress, whether or not it's a level one or a level 10, whether or not it's real or whether or not it's perceived is happening the exact same way in the body. And I think that that's where I found that practice on the mat is necessary, but being able to take that off the mat into every aspect of the way that you live, that's where we actually prove ourselves like this is doing something. I'm responding to this and not reacting to whatever the situation is. And to me, there's a big difference between the two. You know, I'm not just tolerating somebody by being polite, but I'm actually being kind to them. If we can control our breath in here in a controlled environment, then ideally you're going to be able to do it out in the real world. And by control, I mean you're going to be able to control your thoughts. You're going to be able to slow your thoughts down. And one of my big things is I believe that yoga and mindfulness gives the soldier or the first responder one second. And if you think about it, to the average person, one second's not a lot. But in the policing and military field, one second is huge. It can make the difference between pulling the trigger and not pulling the trigger. It can make the difference between recognizing as a cell phone and not a handgun. It can make the difference between saying something that you're going to regret saying later. It can make the difference between looking down at your computer in your car and rear-ending the car in front of you. It can make the difference between recognizing a true threat versus not a threat. And it just improves overall performance. The Warriors at Ease training gave me the permission that I was looking for, even though I really didn't need it from anyone else. It gave me the permission to slow down. I have injuries that I've had most of my life, stemming from bike slash car accident in second grade to life in the military for 10 years, to being just active skier, cyclist, you know, things that are physically demanding. And what I have found through Warriors at Ease training is that I can go at my own pace. Since 1979, I've been studying martial arts and kind of think I'm a badass. I've studied some Chinese martial arts. I've studied mostly Japanese martial arts. I've got a third degree black belt in a style called Ashihara. And it's a full contact, no pads martial art. We kick, we punch, we knee, we grab you, we throw you on the ground and stomp on you. So I thought I was kind of Billy Badass. And <laughs> I was in good shape. And so I went to our friend Sarah's class and I went in there expecting just again to be supportive of her. And it literally kicked my butt. I remember in some posture, I'm shaking. Literally my legs are shaking, my arms are shaking, I'm dripping sweat. And I look over next to me and there's a lady next to me who's just smiling and perfectly still in her posture. And I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I have ever done. I'm never coming back to one of these classes. And it was all ego. I would say this, 
when you're in the first responder world or the military world, we are trained day in and day out on how to turn the volume up, to make things more intense. Intensity is where we live. We train for it, and then when we have to execute, intense circumstances. And I know the military, at least, is starting to recognize this, and I imagine the first responder world is too. You can't stay in that space all the time. It's not healthy, right, to be in any one thing for an extended period of time. And so we've been trained on that side. Yoga is the opposite, right? It's the how do you not be intense all of the time? How do you take what you've learned from those experiences and also learn the other side, how to soften, how to relax, how to release tension, how to release stress and those things. So you're not constantly holding on and you're becoming a more balanced individual. I definitely agree with the slowing down for guys because let's be honest, a lot of us aren't that flexible to start with. So it, it might take us a couple more seconds to get into some pose or we might need some type of variation on a pose. I would say probably first and most important thing is go in with an open mind. That'll definitely help. I would definitely start with a basic course, probably more of a flow paced vinyasa or a yin class would be good. I'm familiar with being disintegrated, but I don't look at you as a broken person, not whole, you are. And so my focus is on who you are and you are not a disease or a disorder. And that raises a lot more questions than it answers, but that's okay, it's part of the journey. Just come and begin to experience just as you are and just as it unfolds. And, and then to watch them begin to relax and accept some of the limitations that may initially be present. But as they begin to enter the practice of yoga, beginning to realize that space begins to open up. Physical therapy is about strength, balance, flexibility, and creating space. And I would tell my patients that yoga and mindfulness is about strength, balance, flexibility, and creating space in the body and in the mind, and arguably in the spirit. So you have to be comfortable with just failing at some level and figuring it out because the technique is remarkable. It doesn't take muscle. I mean, muscles in some sense are a hindrance at some level to having good kind of technique, getting your hips and everything stacked. But for me, actually, the point at the end of the day was the, less the vanity and the ego. It was always difficult for me in yoga to be present. And this is the refrain, of course, when you're in your yoga class, right? To be present and to be in the moment. And it wasn't immediately available for me. When you are in a handstand, the only thing you can really think about, if anything, is being in that handstand. So it allows you, sort of forces you physically to be in the moment. So the year before I came in, they won the national championship there. And one of the kids, his name's Solman Raza, he made the winning putt to beat Texas in the playoffs. He talked to me about what he was going through on that last hole where he had to secure the playoff, first of all, and then during the playoff, what he was doing. And he was telling me all he was focusing on was his breath. And I was like, how does someone take the intensity of a moment that big 
and just minimize it down to one breath in your own body. And the difference between a beginning practitioner and a more skilled practitioner is not getting into the pose, but it's how long you can hold it. And that makes quite a difference. And that's what surprised me at how physically challenging yoga was when I started it. It looked like a walk in the park. It looked very simple. And there was more to it than I recognized at first. And, you know, a lot of guys have to get over the embarrassment of not being generally as supple as women. Women are more flexible on average. Now, there are exceptions, but in a mixed class of men and women, the women will look better holding the pose than the men will. Well, at the beginning, usually after first class, guys have the same reactions I had 10 years ago. They're laughing, they're like, oh my God, what is that? Why is it so hard? And why am I so bad at it? And I can never do this. But usually after a time, what we try to do is explain that it's not a competition, it's not hockey, it's not about scoring goals or being the most flexible. It's about getting to know your, your own limits and then slowly push them further and further and, and do all that. So the feedback at the beginning usually is positive. They all know that it's a good thing and that it's something that they need to work on. And then later on, as they get into it, they usually come happy and enjoy the yoga practice. It really works. And you don't have to go under the surgeon's knife and you don't have to take medicines that have all kinds of known and unknown side effects. And you don't have to cease and desist from whatever it is you love to do. You just have to do the yoga. Everything finally came together, I think, with meditation as my spiritual path. And then yoga, and helping me to still my body. I was already working on stilling my mind, but my body was kind of jerking me around and discovering that, and that the two are interrelated. Calm mind, calm body. Yeah, and I think there's a line between having the will to do something and being willing to do something. You know, I think they're kind of two different things. When you say, you know, you have to have the will, that means that you have to kind of put your pants on, you got to get in the car and you got to go. But you got to be willing. It's almost as if you're willing to be led, if you're willing to be taught, if you're willing to listen. To me, they're kind of, they're the same, but they're almost opposites. I was injured. I didn't have a place to go to work out or I couldn't go out and do stuff. And so I was basically stuck in myself. And when you're stuck in yourself, you can go several directions. And yoga, I believe, can help anybody who tries a little bit to let go of those feelings that bring you down. It's that simple. I think a sequence that is coherent, feels good, it feels satisfying in your body-mind. A sequence that's a little random, feels random, right? It feels like a hodgepodge of poses that are just thrown, and I'm sure we've all been to those type of classes where you just, the teachers maybe 
calling out this, that, and the other. It doesn't seem like the poses are that well related to each other. And you kind of get the feeling of disorganization, almost like you've been to a buffet and you've had just so many different samples of different cuisine. You're left with some indigestion. A good sequence that's got coherence based on what the teacher is trying to lead you to gives you the exact opposite. I think the, the challenge that I had was this injury to the psoas was so deep inside me. It had pelvic floor challenges for me. It had lower back issues. I had gait issues. And the thing is, I had no idea what was going on and neither any of the doctors. But to your point of your question, I think anyone who's stuck needs to recognize that the way out of their problems is already inside them and they just need to learn how to tap into that. And whatever door gets them through that, whatever that door is, you just got to keep exploring, got to keep opening those doors. And I opened a lot of doors and went in and out of them. And I just think everyone can get out of that place. You can get out of that place. The physical benefits are actually quite profound. And I think one thing that I've learned is that a good sound yoga practice is kind of centered around the foundation of fitness. I call them the pillars of fitness. It's strength, balance, stamina, flexibility. You're moving with your breath. So the benefits of a physical practice really kind of teach you about your body and teach you about how much can you endure and knowing that the place that you endure your challenges is really more about where your mind is. You know, when I listen to those quotes, I'm blown away by the amount of collective wisdom on this podcast. And I hope you found something valuable in these conversations. So thanks again for those who've supported me. And in particular, those of you who've actually worked on this podcast in the last two years, Adam, Ben, and Jamie, thank you for your help. Remember to check us out on Instagram at GTY Podcast and follow and subscribe wherever you listen to your shows. We have a lot more to share this year, and I look forward to taking it higher in 23.